Hey, this is Lily Barouette, co-pastor of Live Church, and this is our podcast. Our mission is to awaken the drive, compassion, and love in our community. Together, we can live in victory every day. Here's today's message. Amen. So we're going to be reading from 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Amen. When you got it, say amen. My husband was supposed to send it in, but I doubt that he did, so you probably will not find it on the screens. Luckily for you, you guys are all Bible-toting Christians, and so I'm sure you got it with you, amen? Amen. It says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. You are still worldly. For since there is jealousy and quarreling among you, are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere mortals? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? What, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but God has been making it grow. So neither the one who plants nor the one who waters is anything, but only God who makes things grow. The one who plants and the one who waters has one purpose, and they will each be rewarded according to their own labor. For we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and fire will test the quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss but yet be saved, even though only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred and you together are that temple. Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise. They are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men. For all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present or things to come. All are yours. And you are Christ. And Christ is God. Amen. 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 Thank you. Before we dive into this and break it apart, I want to paint the picture for you. So I want to give you the framework of what's going on here. Um, what you're looking at is Paul addressing the church in Corinth, and he's dressing them, addressing them because there's division. There's division amongst the church. And the thing about division is it separates and separation is never good, especially when you're supposed to be one. So as Paul is addressing the church, 
He's addressing the division, and it's something that we don't like to talk about in the church. You don't hear a lot of people preach about division in the church. And that's because we're so busy painting this picture of Jesus that the world wants. So when you go to church, you normally hear, Jesus is so kind. Jesus is so compassionate. Jesus is so loving. And it makes sense because you paint a picture of Jesus being so loving that you have no choice but to love him too. Because at the end of the day, we want to give you Jesus. But sometimes we tend to lean away from the fact that Jesus himself was very controversial. Jesus in his time on earth was just as much hated as he was loved. Just as many people hated him as they loved him. And so because of that, you have to understand that there's two sides to the story. Jesus was hated and Jesus was loved. There's a divide there. Even Jesus himself says, do you think that I've come to bring peace? No, truly I tell you, but division. But why? Why would the prince of peace say that he didn't come to bring peace, but division? Why would Jesus say this? Well, the word, Jesus is the word of God, so let's look at what the word of God says. The word of God became flesh and made to dwell among us, for we have seen the glory and the glory of the Son, the one who came from the Father, full of grace and full of truth. Full of grace and full of truth. It's the truth that separates. It's the truth that divides. Why do you say that? Well, Hebrews tell us that the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. Right? And the sword divides. So the truth is the edge of the sword that draws a line in the sand. So once you take the truth and you draw this line in the sand, now people have to choose and there's choices to be made. So what Jesus is simply saying is he's saying, not everyone's going to accept me. I came to bring division because what's going to happen is when I bring my truth, y'all going to have to choose sides. And the truth is that not everyone's ready to accept Jesus at the same time. So while we're giving you Jesus, there's some people who aren't ready for it yet. That's not their timetable. So what they're going to do is they're going to choose one side and these people are going to choose another side. So you have people who are choosing this Jesus and then people who are choosing maybe not that yet. And what happens is now you have two sides. And what happens is our human nature, we choose conflict. Whenever we have division, we choose conflict. Why do we choose conflict? Because we want to side with the, purple, the people that, that, that have the same beliefs as us, the same ideas, the same mindsets that we have. And what happens is because you don't share the same beliefs and mindsets and ideas that I have, you don't share the same Jesus that I have, we're going to go to war. But why? Why, even in the church today, do we choose war? Well, that's what's in us. It's in our human nature, and it's not our own fault. It's, it's that, that's just what's in us, because what's in you is what comes out of you. We're full of this conflict because we have no choice but to be a part of it. We are both spirit and flesh. Well, our flesh is waging war against our spirit. So what we have is we have our temporary waging war against our eternal. So there's war going on inside of us, and in turn, we bring that war outside of us. And so now there's the war going on inside of us, outside of us. It's conflict. And why do we choose conflict? Because we tend to go with comfort. It's in human nature to go with comfort as opposed to go with what challenges us. 
So we're going to conflict with what challenges us because we don't want the challenge. We don't want to see what challenges us. We don't want to go against what challenges us, so we choose comfort. And so what happens is now there's the conflict. But the truth of the matter is that challenges produce. Challenges produce. In the book of James, it says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, when you face trials of many kind. For we know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It produces. The challenge produces. But we tend to shy away from the challenge. Why do we tend to shy away from the challenge? Well, division is the challenge that the church is facing in the scripture that we're talking about today, which is why we're talking about this. So what we're seeing in Corinth is they're divided. And oddly enough, what they're divided amongst is two leaders. You have a group of people who are choosing to follow Paul, and they're saying, I follow Paul. And the other one's like, well, that's cool. We follow Apollos. Well, they're one church. Why are they divided? Because that's just what we do. So they're divided amongst the church, and so Paul has to address it. Because what happens is Paul helps start the church in Corinth. So he's the father figure of the church. Now that Paul is gone and away, Apollos is the one teaching them. So what do we know about Apollos? Apollos is this young, very well-educated, very well-versed, and said to be a great speaker. So Apollos is just great preacher. Okay, so you have Apollos, and you have Paul. Paul is arguably the greatest apostle. He helped start the church. So Paul is the great leader. So now you have this argument going on between a great leader and a great preacher. And they're arguing over great leader and great preacher, not knowing that they're, own, they're both beneficial to them in their own rights. Both can both help edify and build up the church, but they want to choose sides between the two. They're creating the conflict that Paul and Apollos don't even have with each other. Historians tell us that Apollos later left and disappeared. He's only mentioned twice throughout scripture, really. But he disappeared after Corinth, after he heard about what was going on with the division with him. Because he didn't agree what was happening. The division was so bad that Apollos disappeared. So Paul's addressing this issue. He's saying, y'all are divided right now. And so we're going to dive into the scripture right now. Because I think in this, verse, in this chapter, really, Paul gives us you know, three ways that the church can grow despite this division. So good. Pastor Bob, this is loud. That's so good, Pastor Ricky. And so one of the three ways that you can fight division is by finding maturity. See, because the church is a family. Somebody say family. And y'all, I want y'all to know my husband is Guyanese and Puerto Rican, but I'm Haitian. And so y'all got to preach with me. I cannot I can't stress this enough, y'all. Please don't be quiet. Please don't be quiet, okay? Yeah. Okay. All right, Pastor Coach Pat. Thank you. So we have, amen, Bishop Omari. So we have fine maturity. The church is a family. And spiritual growth and maturity are the goal. That's the goal. We want to understand that Christ loves us just the way that we are, but he loves us too much to let us stay the way that we are. Yeah. And this statement hits home to me. 
Because as a mother, I always talk about my babies. I'm sorry, y'all. As a mother with two kids, I love my daughter. And so I took her to the doctor, and the doctor looked at her, and he weighed her, and he said, your baby is too small. And instantly, I got into mommy mode, okay? So I'm buying all type of baby food. I need pudding. I, I'm lying inshore, pediasure, let's go. And it wasn't only me. Like, I put everybody on. Whoever's touching my daughter, she got a schedule. She eat, need to eat at 12, and then at 12.30, she need a snack. And after that, she needs to, it was on. I don't care if Auntie Lily was watching her. I don't care if her dad was watching her. I don't care who was watching her. Baby girl was on a schedule because there's a problem with being too small. See, being too small means that you are lacking in something. We don't know if it's nutrients. We don't know if it's vitamins. But we know that baby girl is too small. And I'm wondering today if God is looking at us and saying, man, y'all are too Come on. small. Come on. I'm wondering if God is looking at us and asking if we are too small. And if we are too small, what's the plan? Because it's not okay just to know. We have to have a plan. And so what I understand is because my baby was too small, but I couldn't stop my life because my baby was too small. Anybody who touched my baby had to understand that she was too small and we was on a mission. Us, the family, we were on a mission because it takes a village to raise a child. Y'all with me? It takes a Come village on. to raise a child. And so we all needed to have the same goal in mind in order for us to have the best chance at reaching the results of our efforts. Come on. Yeah. And so here we are. We are a village. And if I'm trying, but her dad is not trying. Lord have mercy. If I'm trying and her dad isn't trying, then she may gain some weight, but not all the weight needed to support the level of activity, come on y'all, that she's ready to embark on. Some of us are growing spiritually. We're getting better at running around with God. We're getting better at using our fine motor skills. But because we're too small, because we lack the proper weight, because we lack the proper nutrition from not reading our Bible enough, from not applying our Bible enough, from not knowing how to be obedient to God. Come on, y'all. Our legs are weak. Our muscles buckle up under us. All right? And the strain of disproportion of use... It's affecting us and the church in a negative way, right? And so regardless of if it made Christian, that's the name of my daughter, y'all. You. <laughs> regardless of Christian, if it made Christian cry or not, she had to eat. I'm going to say that again. Regardless of if it makes you cry or not, you got to eat. You got to eat. And it's not enough just to eat. Because Christian will eat candy all day. Yeah. Yeah. But in order for you to properly grow and get the nutrition and the vitamins you need, you can't eat just candy. You can't have just cake, not just bread, not just meat, not just soda. You need a well-constructed diet to cater to the holistic 
part of your being. Come on. And so we're at this place here where if I'm trying, but her dad isn't trying, then good, the good habits that we're trying to build are going to take longer than they should to stick. Yeah. Right? Because when we're raising a child, my friend in the back is here. Her name is Dia. Yo. My friend in the back is here, and she works with two-year-olds, and she always tells me, it can't be important, because I'm potty training, y'all, and so she yell at me every day. It can't be important some days and not important on other days. That inconsistency in your life is a problem. It's not only for two-year-olds. It's for us as the Christian church. The inconsistency in our life is what is a picture of what our faith looks like. If the Holy Spirit is trying to help us form those spiritual disciplines that are needed for us to grow, we can't be insistent on resisting the Holy Spirit and doing our own thing. It's going to take us longer to grow. It's going to take us longer to understand God's word. It's going to take us longer to defeat that problem that you've been going through time and time and time and time again. you got to look in the mirror and ask yourself, why is it taking me so long? We are behind the learning curve. And so everybody has to be on board. Everybody has to get behind the plan because none of us wants a sick baby on our hands. Auntie Lily doesn't want a sick baby. Grandma doesn't want a sick baby. Y'all don't want to have to sit there and hear me pray for my baby. Y'all, she's sick. Nobody wants a sick baby in our family and in our hands. And the equivalent for sick in the Christian faith is stagnant. So stagnant means sick. And if somebody is stagnant in our midst, that means somebody is sick in our midst. And it's a problem for us as a whole. And in the same way, as Christians, because we don't want sick or stagnant people around us, we have to understand that we have to be here for one another. The power is in us. I'm going to say that again. The power is in us. Each one of us are responsible for the health and the well-being of each other. Right? And so wherever you look in the Bible, whether it's the Old Testament or the New Testament, you have in Proverbs, iron sharpens iron. You have in Galatians, brothers, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him. We have in James, therefore confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you can be healed. You have an ecclesiastic, two are better than one so that if somebody falls, somebody is there to pick him up. Come on, y'all. Hebrews, it says, not neglecting to meet with one another so that we can speak the truth to our neighbor. Come on, y'all. It's all over the Bible. We got to be here for one another. From front to back. From front to back. It's not okay for you to be by yourself. It's not okay for you to be Christian by yourself. It's not okay for you not to take along somebody with you. It's not okay for you to be thriving and your neighbor to be falling. 
It's not okay. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, it's not okay. Come on. Come on, Bishop. Hallelujah. God cares about how you grow. God cares about how we grow. And we can see the evidence right here in 1 Corinthians. It says, maturity is evident by what you eat. Bringing it back to Christian because she stood on like to eat. Lord help me. Uh, it says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. I gave you milk, not solid food, for you were not yet ready for it. Indeed, you are still not ready. And sometimes I ask my daughter, Girl, you want some steak? You want some lobster, some shrimp pasta, some juicy, some sauce, some collard greens, something. And she look at me, no, mommy, I want a baba. A baba is a bottle, and all it has in it is milk. It's milk and sugar. That's all about baba. Mommy, I want candy. Mommy, I want a baba. But now, if I were to ask y'all, y'all say, Sarah, I'm hungry. And I say, do you want a baba? Y'all gonna look at me like I'm stupid. I don't want no milk, girl. I need more. I need more. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, I need more. I need more. In your level of maturity, sometimes you got to look at the bottle that's in your hand and say, uh-uh, I'm grown. This is not for me. I need more. Maturity is also evident by what you do. Paul says in verse 3, you are still worldly for since there is jealousy... <clears throat> and quarreling among you, you are you not worldly? Is your mind that dumb? Are you not worldly? Are you not acting like mere mortals? You're limited, Lord. Just okay. So mere mortals. Some of us need to realize that this is not our world. We are in this world, but we are not of this world. And so our ways need to transcend that of the mere mortals that we find ourselves around because we have a greater authority to answer to. We can't be the same as the people around us. We are called higher than that. Jesus died so that we can be higher than that. There are some of us who are invested in the small petty things that do not matter in our life. My daughter is going from, I love this, is this stage. It's a little annoying because, you know, terrible twos, but she has terrific twos. It's okay. But she's going from this stage that goes, you know, that's my toy. That's mine. She's transitioning from that to going into knowing that the toy is more fun when you play with someone. So now Uncle Patrick comes over and she's like, Uncle Patrick, play ball with me. Nanan, play letters with me. Come play with me. It's time for us to get into a place where we know that we can do things with each other. It's more fun that way. You can get more done that way. You can be more creative that way. You can go further that way. Somebody say, with me. It's never been about the quarreling. It's never been about the jealousy. God wants us together. United we stand. Come on, Bishop. Amen. And so 
Maturity is evident by what you say. Verse 4 says, when one says, I follow Paul, and another says, I follow Apollos, are you not mere human beings? And the reason Paul is concerned about this is because people are dedicating their loyalty to a person instead of to Jesus Christ. Right? The truth of the matter is, it's never been about the person. Yeah. Can you imagine if me, as a mother, right, I give my baby to Lily or to my mom or whatever, and they hold back their love and they hold back their kindness because that's not their child. That's what a lot of us look like in the Christian church. That's not my child. That's not my pastor. That's not my church. Ooh, Sarah, don't talk about it. You might hurt somebody, Billy. And Pat and I were having a conversation the other day. Because this is what some of us look like when we choose style and preference over the greater call of Christ, right? And so Pat and I were having a conversation the other day, and it broke down to Life Church is my church. Good News Church is your church. And so is Voo Church, and so is Trinity Church, and so is Greater Church, and so is Cool Church, because we all the church. We are all the church. It's not about whose pastor is the coolest. Why? Because Jesus is the coolest. It's not about whose worship team or whose dance team is the best. Because Jesus is the best. It's not about whose church is trending. Jesus never runs out of style. Come on. It's not about none of that. We are the church. God has us in different departments, but to accomplish the same goal, and that's the cause of Christ. Somebody say the cause of Christ. And in order to do that, in order to further the cause of Christ, we have got to be fruitful. Amen. Amen. Yeah, y'all want to keep going? I think we can end it there. Y'all want to keep going? First thing is you have to find maturity. The second thing is you have to be fruitful. You have to be fruitful. The church is a field. The church is a field. <laughs> Let's read. Okay. First Corinthians 3.5 says... Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed? As the Lord gave, gave to each one, I planted, Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. But God gives the increase. So then neither he who planted is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who planted and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own award according to his labor. For God, we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field and God's building. So the question you ask here is, are the plants growing? If the church is a field, are the plants growing? As a church, you are supposed to be a life-giving tree. 
It said, who is planted in the Lord will flourish in the courts of God. Are you planted in the church? Because the way to tell is, are the plants growing? You will know a tree by the fruit that it bears. There's a story in Mark 11 where Jesus sees a tree full of leaves and he walks up to it because he's hungry. But when Jesus got to the tree, it had no fruit. So now we have the God, the life-giving God, and what does he do? He cursed the tree. <laughs> he cursed the tree. He got upset. Because the tree deceived him. The tree looked so good, but when you got to it, it had nothing on it. The church is the field. Is it bearing fruit? A couple days later, after Jesus then went and did what they were doing, they were passing by the same tree, and the disciples noticed the tree withered away. Why? Because Jesus cursed it. Because you'll know a tree by the fruit that it bears. What fruit are you bearing? Because that's what our goal is. As the church, you're supposed to be bearing fruit. Is that not what God first said when he be fruitful and multiply? Are you bearing fruit? Like, what are you giving? Because that's what, that's what all we have as a church to do. All we have is to give Jesus. I don't know about you. My Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Well, how can someone taste if you don't have no fruit to give them? What fruit are you bearing? Because the church is a field. So you can be an orchard or you can be a desert because they're both fields. But which one are you choosing to be? Which one are you choosing to be? Because you could be either or. So you find your maturity and then you become fruitful. And then third is that you are to find quality. Quality. Okay. And so here we are. We find ourselves at quality. And I want y'all to know Rick wrote the message, y'all. Stop playing. So quality matters. <laughs> quality matters. The church is a building. And I know y'all think to yourself, the church is not a building. The church is the people. It's the people. Yes. But the whole idea of that is a structure. Right? We're talking about a structure. We are like a structure, and the measure of a good structure is its quality. Come on. Quality can be found in building on the right foundations, and it can be found in building with the right material. So here we are. We're in verse 9 through 11. It says, we are co-workers in God's service. You are God's field, God's building. By the grace God has given me, I laid a foundation as a wise builder, and someone else is building on it. But each one should build with care, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one already laid, which is Jesus Christ. So in essence, everything that we do in our lives should be done on top of the foundation of Jesus Christ. He should be the source of our motivation, the source of our inspiration, the source of our strength. Jesus Christ should be the source. That's it. Wherever you go. Which means that when you decide that you're getting married because you're scared to be alone, your marriage is built on a foundation of fear and not of faith. Right? That means that when we decide that we are going to join the worship team just to be on somebody's stage and not to give all glory to God, then we are deciding to build on top of pride instead of on top of praise. Yeah. 
When it's all said and done, we got to dig down deep and we have to know who is behind what we're doing. Because otherwise we're building on something that's flimsy. It's wobbly. Because two weeks ago I was preaching on this stage and I almost fell. You understand? Thank God Pastor Pat rebuilt it. Amen. Praise God. <laughs> Our only hope for survival and security and sustainability is Jesus Christ. We should be aware that the right materials are the key to our success in our kingdom journey, right? So it says in verse 12 through 17, if anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, costly stones, wood, hay, or straw, their work will be shown for what it is because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire. Somebody say fire. fire. And that fire will test, somebody say test. The quality of each person's work. If what has been built survives, the builder will receive a reward. That's fruit, y'all. If it is burned up, the builder will suffer loss, but yet will be saved, even only as one escaping through the flames. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person for God's temple is sacred and you together are sacred. And while I read this, what comes to my mind is fire. Because we're talking about materials. So now we have the list of materials that Paul put in the word and it says gold. And we know that if gold is tested by fire, it becomes more pure. We know that if silver is tested by fire, it becomes more pure. Costly stones, if tested by fire, would stand strong. But wood, wood will eventually burn up. Y'all ever had a bonfire? I did. It was fun. Hay would eventually burn up. Straw would eventually burn up. And I'm reading this, and I'm thinking to myself, you can't just throw things together. In the kingdom of God... You cannot just throw things together. Y'all throwing straw here. You're throwing hay there. And then the minute that the devil comes and blows on you, you are burnt out. And see, the truth be told is that we know that the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. But God comes to give life and life more abundantly. And we know that the devil walks around like a lion seeking whom he may devour. And so we know that we're getting jabs thrown at us. We know that he's throwing punches. We know that he's attacking our marriage. We know that he's attacking our friendships. Anything good in our life, our jobs, anything, our money, gosh, you attacking everything. He wants, he don't want you to have nothing. Especially the church. Especially the church. And that's why the Bible says, but after you have done everything to stand, God wants you to stand firm. Come on. After you have done everything to stand, and that's an action, y'all. Because in order to stand, you have to have muscles in your legs, right? And so in, after you have done everything to stand, that means you done worked out. That means you done prayed. That means you done fasted. That means you done cut out all them foods that was making you sick. And you're on a journey. And you're not going to give up. And you're not going to give in. After you have done everything to stand, he's still going to come and try to push you over. And your job is to do what? Stand firm. 
Because it's not like the tests aren't going to come. It's not like the trials aren't going to come. Ladies and gentlemen, it's not supposed to be fun all the time. Pastor Patrick is going to have some words that are going to challenge you. Pastor Lily is going to have to say some things to you that are going to hurt you. And ladies and gentlemen, they're not judging you. They're helping you. They're not condemning you. They're lifting you up. Stand firm. The church is supposed to be a structure. And in order to have a structure, they have pillars. I don't know what pillars are. Those are those things that stand firm. Yes, stand firm. You have to have those pillars, and God has placed you here to be a pillar. Because a lot of us, we come here and we're like, what can the church do for me? But God has purposed you for more than that. God has made you a pillar in his church. And I'm not talking about live church, and I'm not talking about the building, but I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. God has made you a pillar. And God wants to know that if Satan comes with his baseball bat and he starts banging at your core, are you going to break? Because the truth of the matter is the moment that you break, all the other pillars get weaker. The moment that you break, all the other pillars get weaker. Because now what baby taught me was I was working out and I'm doing my squats or whatever and my leg gave out. And my leg gave out and she told me to rest because if I tried to put too much weight on this leg, then this leg too is going to give out. Because now your muscles have to make up for the work that can't be done in the weak leg. And so now you quit. And so now instead of Pastor Patrick concentrating on delivering the word, he got to be out here vacuuming. And because you didn't show up, Pastor BB got to be out here leading worship just to get down and come and preach. You standing strong, it matters. The quality of your work, it matters. Showing up on time, ladies and gentlemen, it matters. Serving where you're supposed to serve, it matters. Your generosity to the church, it matters. Your marriage matters. The way you raise your kids matters. How you're a friend to this guy when he's depressed, it all matters. Everything that you do matters. Because what matters is the quality of the structure. Jesus says... On this rock, on this rock, not on this sand, not on this flims, not on this water. He said, on this rock, I will build my church and the, great, the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. Ladies and gentlemen, God wants to know, can you be his rock? You are stronger than you know because he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You are stronger than you know because the same power that raised Christ from the grave lives inside of you. You are stronger than you know. How do you build your quality? Your quality lies in your trust in Jesus. And it's all about having the right motives. Amen. Amen. 
It's about having the right motives. I'm going to close with this. Verses 18, the 18 through the end says, Let no one deceive yourselves. If anyone among you seems to be um, wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of the world is foolishness with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Paulus or Cephas, or the world or life or death, or things present or things to come. All things are yours. All things are yours. Can y'all say that? All things are yours. You are Christ, and Christ is God's. You got to have the right motives. Where's your mind at? What's your thought patterns behind it? Because if you can align it with Jesus, it says all things are yours. All things are yours. So you have to check your motives because what happens is, why are you doing it? If it's yours anyways, why are you doing it like that? If God's willing to give it all to you, why do you have to go about it in this way? Because that's not God's way. Why are there people around the world hating other people? That's not God's way. But if you would just get your mind right, you can understand God wants to bless you and bless you more abundantly. All things are yours. So get your mind right. It's not the thing, it's how you think about the thing. It's not the thing, it's how you think about the thing. There's nothing that we can't accomplish in this world, even when oppressed, because all things are yours. But what's your mindset going into it? Because it's our normal mindset to try to find the easiest way out. And that's never God's way. Because like my wife said, if you're going to stand firm, you got to have the mindset that I got to do this the right way. You can cut corners, but you're not going to be as strong. So when the waves come, you're going to fall over. Get your mind right. Can I tell you how you get your mind right? It's by getting your heart right. It's by getting your heart right. You get your heart right by giving your heart to Jesus Christ. Because when he dwells in your heart, that's when, like my wife said, he who that's in you is greater than he that is who is in the world. He wants to dwell in your hearts today so that you can have the right mindset, so that you can help build his church. Make no mistake about it. God is not for division. We are to be unified in Christ Jesus. And it's in that unity that we can grow stronger. Thanks for joining us. Special thanks to those of you who generously support this ministry. It's because of you that this ministry is possible. Join us in reaching others by partnering with us today. 
you can give by visiting us at livechurch.miami. Thank you for listening and remember to subscribe to enjoy more messages like this one.